We're going to do things a bit differently on The Year That Made Me today, but that is appropriate for our two guests, because as you'll hear, they've done things very differently in their lives, including taking over a dilapidated theme park in North Queensland and over 30 years turning Paranella Park back into an iconic and successful tourist destination that's now listed as part of the state's heritage. By doing that, husband and wife team Mark and Judy Evans honoured the dream of the even more unconventional person who gave Paranella Park its name, the colourful Spanish immigrant Jose Paranella, who I'm sure we'll hear about later too. So with thanks to the listener who suggested them for the year that made me, it's a very warm welcome to Mark and Judy Evans. Thanks very much. Lovely to be here. Yes, hello. Great speaking with you. Now, this is a pretty hard thing to do, and I suppose really listeners should just get online and have a look at some of the photos. But looking at the heritage listing, it's described as a commercial pleasure garden, a Spanish-style Castillo that contains the remnants of reinforced structures and uh, is inspired by Moorish architecture and the gardens of Spain in the north of Queensland. It is an extraordinary place. We'll come back to Jose Paranello, though, because this is all about the year that made you. You were caravanning uh, across Australia when you found the Paranella Park. Tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you met and how you came to be caravanning around Australia. Yes, Mark and I met in, um, in Sydney when we were both working in the IT industry. And uh, after a while, we sort of realised we were kindred spirits and we liked a bit of adventure. We liked doing things that are a little bit not ordinary. So we headed off and did a little bit of a travel around and ended up in WA, which is where I'm from originally. And then for the next few years, we sort of went to and fro back to Sydney and then Mark was offered a job uh, in Singapore. So we spent about six and a half years there. And then one day Mark came home and he said, you know, I think it's time we left. We were living a very privileged lifestyle. And he said that his life was becoming a little bit ordinary. So we headed back to Perth, bought a caravan, four-wheel drive, put the kids in the van, headed off homeschooling. And we'd made a plan for two years. And after about 18 months, we ended up in Cairns, which felt like home to us because it's, you know, a very similar climate to Singapore. And we were looking for something to do. So we met a real estate agent and he showed us around a few places. And I think he got a bit frustrated because we kept saying, no, not for us. So he said, well, what are you looking for? And we said, we're looking for something different, something interesting. And so one day we rang him, he said, oh, look, I found this place, it's a caravan park and it's got a castle and a waterfall, it's just south of Innisfail. And we said, now that sounds interesting. <laughs> so off we went and just went in as guests. The people that were leasing it at the time did not know that, you know, we were potential purchasers. And we decided that this was going to be something interesting, something different, and I decided we'd give it 10 years because by that time our kids would have left school and we'd be footloose and fancy free again and we'd continue our journeys. Well, it's now been 30 years <laughs> and I can't see an end to it. <laughs> On the year that made me, we're speaking with Mark and Judy Evans, who are the proprietors of Paranella Park in Queensland, a place that they restored from a really dilapidated state to being a thriving tourist hub these days. And that fateful meeting with the real estate agent, that was in 1993. And guys, you've chosen that as the year that made you? 
Yes, that's correct. Yes. (laughs) The sentence which I think jumped out most to me in the heritage listing for Paranella Park and says something about Jose was this one. Paranella decided to return to Spain to avoid both the black hand, meaning the mafia, and the tax officials, and to marry Matilda Sola. There's a lot in that sentence. Uh, Mark or Judy, could you introduce (laughs) us, please, to Jose Paranella? Yes, it's fair to say that at that time, there were many people from many parts of the world wanting to start a new life. And uh, I think Jose's story is is literally the story of immigration. Uh, there was mm. no doubt that Jose's story did contain many, many challenges, including what was the mafia back then. And I know there was a, a recent ABC program on the black hand, but it, it really did capture, I think, beautifully the feel that the challenges that were part of people and their lives We talk about, Jose, we being the custodians of Paranella Park, that we have continued his journey in many ways. And I think really what has made us stay there is the uncovering of the story. And Mm. we were fortunate that four weeks after Judy and I arrived at Paranella Park, we met Jose's daughter, Teresa, and Teresa was visiting North Queensland from Brisbane and she introduced herself and took us further on the journey of her dad building Paranella Park. Now, she was 70 when we met her, but she took us back to when she was 10 years of age and Mm. she was able to, well, she was the only person that was there every day over the six years of construction of the park. And, you know, that was great because that marriage that you talked about to Matilda that didn't eventuate because Jose forgot (laughs) to write to Matilda in the 11 years before he went back to participate in the arranged marriage and he finished uh, up marrying Matilda's sister, Margarita. And it was Margarita and Jose that then continued the journey back by ship to North Queensland to continue Jose's dream of building Paranella Park. Amazing. That really is the extraordinary thing that he had this this image of building a Spanish style castle in the north of Queensland for the person who he thought would be his bride and ended up coming back with that person's sister. And I can only imagine she was a pretty extraordinary lady. <laughs> I I think he's fortunate because the conditions in those days, it wasn't just the black hand. You look at the climate, you didn't have air conditioning. Luckily, he was able to build Queensland's first river-driven hydro system, so at least they had refrigeration and freezers. But the work ethic back then from not just Jose, but all those people that came out from overseas was incredible, really incredible. And as you mentioned, six years' work to get Paranella Park open as it did in 1935 for the first time. And Jose Paranella did much of the building, although that, I think, might have caused some of the problems (laughs) further down the track. Judy, how big and popular did Paranella Park get in its first iteration when Jose was on the scene? Well, when we look back at the history, a lot of people got married uh, at the park in the ballroom. Uh, he had movies because he had uh, the hydroelectric power. He was able to run the movies quite well. And he had a freezer, which meant that he could make ice cream. And that was very, very popular amongst all the local kids. You hear lots of stories from people now saying, oh, I remember as a kid walking a mile to the park to get this, uh, you know, homemade ice cream. But also during the Second World War, when there were a lot of uh, servicemen 
doing their R&R up this way. It was very, very popular um, amongst the soldiers as well. And we've, we've got quite a few images and stories about the soldiers coming. And, uh, you know, they would have the dances and they had... There's a lot of locals who played in bands. So they had, you know, the dancers and the bands and all that sort of thing. So it was very, very alive and plus the cafe it served amazing food so it was very very popular and the main highway went past there as well so it was on the highway uh so people were driving past it you know quite regularly so it was very very popular during jose's time but things turned out not so well both for jose and then for Paranella Park. Mark, could you tell us the next chapter that really, I suppose, led to Paranella Park being in the state of decline that you guys found it in, in the year that made you in 1993? I think there were a couple of instances and situations. One was certainly in 1948, Jose Paranella died at the age of 60. Two years earlier, there was a huge flood through Paranella Park and that flood was a man-made flood. Uh, someone had cleared their land and the rainfall of 1946 was enormous and a dam built up behind a bridge and it absolutely trashed Paranella Park. It came through the park many metres deep and uh, damaged it and then, as I say, two years later, Jose Paranella passed away. There's no doubt that with his death, much of the passion died because uh, his son, who was operating the park with uh, Jose's wife, was a very sick man. He had had a heart attack at the age of 29 and he passed mm. away in 1972 of, of a heart attack at the age of 39. Then, uh, during those years, you had things like the highway diversion in the mid-60s. So there was illness death and there was destruction uh, along the way. And of course, losing the highway lost a lot of the passing trade. And from then on, really, Paranella Park fell into a, a period of decline. There was instances of people attempting to open it up again. The park sold in 1977 and then it was up and down and we discovered it sitting there with a for sale sign on it in 1993. Yeah, because if a real estate agent says to you, oh, I want to show you this place that has a waterfall and a castle, well, that sounds amazing and magical. But Judy, I wonder if you could take us back to 1993 and tell us what it actually looked like when you saw Paranella Park for the first time, because it wasn't quite magical as I understand it. Well, it was open to the public. There had been, um, as well as what Mark mentioned, there was a fire in 79, which burnt the ballroom down. So that was no longer operational. And also there'd been um, a cyclone in 1986, Cyclone Winifred, and that had destroyed a lot of the gardens as well. So some people would had leased it and they'd been doing some work for quite a few years just trying to clean it up. But, you know, they didn't have a big team. So when we saw it, the buildings looked a bit sad. There were a lot of pathways that were covered over. Um, the fountain in the lower gardens wasn't working. Um, you didn't know the story about it. But still, just wandering around it and just looking at it, I could not believe I'd never heard of it. We travelled around this area quite a bit and I thought, how come no one has ever mentioned it? Surely people come here. And we just decided that it was it was just so different and it really appealed to us because, we were, as I said, we were looking for something different. We uh, rang the bank manager from Palm Cove, just north of Cairns. We'd like to get some bridging money to get us uh, to buy a property. And he said, no problem, we'll see you Monday morning. And by the way, 
uh, what are you looking at buying? And uh, I said, oh, we're looking at buying Paranella Park. His words were, I don't think I can lend you the money for Paranella Park. <laughs> it's, it's had its day. It's finished. Come in on Monday morning. We'll have a chat about it. We walked in on Monday morning and he greeted us so warmly. I went home. I told my wife a young couple wanted to buy Paranella Park. And, and she said, if the right couple buy Paranella Park, it'll do very well. Obviously had good prudential instincts. And she was obviously convinced at the prospects. You guys did the hard work. How long did it take you to start to really believe that you could turn Paranella Park around? And particularly as people who'd never run a business before, that you could turn it into a business that would sustain you? I don't think we can ever pinpoint when we suddenly realised that this was going to work. It's ongoing. We are still doing things. But I think one of the big turning points was when we decided to tell the story Hmm. with guided tours because what had really inspired us was when Teresa came four weeks after we purchased and took us around and showed us things and told us a story and we suddenly realised then it's the story about Paranella Park. It's not the physical things. I mean, that's nice to look at and take photos, but it really is the story and you you sort of develop this relationship with the place and the, and the people involved. So that was uh, 1999 we decided we'd start telling the story and I think that was when it really mm. started to lift and we kind of then thought, yeah, okay, maybe we did do the right thing. Well, giving us a sense of how you did the right thing, what sort of scale is Paranella Park at these days? It's not just the two of you trying to restore the place, is it? We employ around 70 staff today, and that surprises a lot of people, but the, the constant comment is how passionate the staff are. We have staff that, like Jeffrey and Diane, now they are both working, one in the kitchen, one in the grounds doing concrete work, and they met in the ballroom back in the 1970s <laughs> at a dance and you get this wonderful connection of the locals being part of the history and story of the park and now working at Paranella Park. It's a great thing, but over a third of our staff are a little bit more senior than you'd normally employ, which is lovely. So you get that group of people that have a connection and their family had a connection beforehand. And because of that connection with our guests, we're now voted each year across Queensland as the number one place to visit in the People's Choice Awards. And that's probably the thing that we're most proud of because that's voted for by our guests. Well, Mark, Judy, you've certainly put Paranella Park on the map for me. And as you say, it is really all about the story of not just Jose Paranella and his family, but also you two and the incredible work that you've done to restore the glory of Paranella Park. Thank you so much for speaking with us on The Year That Made Me. It's an absolute oh, you're welcome. pleasure. Thank you. And we always finish the year that made me with a piece of music. What have you chosen for us today, guys? I've chosen Bohemian Rhapsody. Very happy to hear that. Why have you chosen that? <laughs> but I must say that Judy also uh, is, is very supportive of my choice. Good to uh, hear. Going mm -hmm. back to my early youth, 1974, I attended uh, the Sunbury Pop Festival. It is 50 years ago, but I recall Queen performing Wow. They weren't known at all then, but I also recall that they had a very sad greeting by the uh, very large audience there. They were booed because they <laughs> delayed their move onto the stage because they wanted to have the impact of lighting and so on. It was still daylight. And when they turned up, 
We had no idea who Queen was, but we were told in very clear form that this was the future of music. And uh, I look back and I had the privilege of being right up the front there with Molly Meldrum and various people, and it was a really special thing to have. But as time went on, I think Freddie Mercury is the epitome of the challenges that people face in their life but rising above those challenges, and I think Freddie Mercury was able to do that in absolute terms. Yeah, well, you certainly would have to go a long way back to hear Queen getting booed off any stage anywhere. I think that's amazing to hear. Well, here it is now, Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide No escape from reality Open your eyes Look up to the skies and see I'm just a cool boy I need no sympathy Because I'm easy come, easy go Little high any way the wind blows doesn't really matter to me, to me. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.